0: Yeah, so Elements City Church has got a cool story that a Baptist church, a large Baptist church, and a large Christian church got together and said there's not a whole lot of good healthy churches in Midtown, Tucson, we're two miles east of the University of Arizona. And uh, so we launched into that area, and in fact we landed in the zip code that has the most 911 calls as of eight years ago because we wanted to bring the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of the city. And uh, so we purposefully tried to get there, got in through school, transitioned a couple years ago to uh, renting from an older church that's there, and we meet Sunday nights at five, so I've been caffeinated to be up with you this morning, because <laughs> uh, usually I'm sleeping in, and um, it's been a, a great uh, experience, and, and we just got a heart to make a difference there, and food distributions, partnering with local schools, and trying to, trying to do what you guys
1: are doing, be the church. I love it, I love it. Um, one of the things that has always been true of Jack and kind of some of his legacy in my life is there is a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to what God is saying mm-hmm. um, that I just admire so much. During this season, uh, one of the words that's been really important to him is the word reset, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and that's been something you've been praying about and praying for yeah. your church. Tell us a little bit about that concept. Sure. I think... You know as a church we as pastoral staff
0: we've just been praying as our staff that this would be a reset season for people not just in our church but the church um, much like if you i'm going to date myself if you grew up playing atari there you go now you know how old i am um that there was a reset button that just kind of reset everything you started over and, and what of god could leverage this season as a reset moment uh it could be physically emotionally mentally spiritually for people uh, for myself included and uh so We've been praying into that, leaning into that, trying to learn through that, and asking God to to show His church how do we reset so that we can leverage uh, and move the kingdom forward uh, that we're all to be a
1: steward of. I love that. So, I love that. I want to pray for you. Yeah. I want to, I want to share something real quick. I'll it's talk. not a story. I okay. promise. Uh, we but, we uh, talked about this. I know <laughs> we talked about this.
0: So one day, no I'm um, <laughs> No, I just. I, we've been a fan of Becky and Jonathan for a long, long time. We are old. Uh, but a fan of you all as well and just so proud of you as a church. And uh, not only did I hire you because God kind of whispered, and you're talented, but you're anointed. And uh, so I, I pray God's best over you and over your, your church family. May you be leveraged uh, for his good and uh, his kingdom good for years to come.
1: So. Thank you. That means a lot. Um. Love you, man. I'm excited about what he's going to share with us today. Let me pray for us, and then I'll get out of here. God, uh, we are always stunned with the thought that you, the God of the universe, would want to speak to us. But we really, truly believe that, that you do. And so we just invite you uh, in this moment, in these next few minutes, to uh, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds in a way that is unmistakably Mm -hmm. you. We're open to that, Lord. Lead us. Anoint Jack, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Love you, bro.
0: Well, I want you to think of an adventure that you've had. Maybe if you're in the house, you turn to someone next to you and through your mask, whisper what that was. Or at home in your living room, uh, whisper what that was. Maybe it was a trip that you took. Maybe it was an experience you got to have. I'll give you a couple examples. I remember as an 18-year-old, my aunt, who lives here in the springs, flew us up, each niece and nephew. We got to have adventures for a week. That was our graduation gift. And so I remember going rafting. Anyone ever been rafting? Raise your hand at home. We'll see you. Um, so if you've been rafting, you know that in adventures, you, could actually, you can go it alone if you want, or you could have a guide go with you. And the guide makes it better. And so right after, uh, man, I'm glad we had a guide as we dumped my aunt into the water and had to fish her out and, and all that. Or I remember as, uh, as a teenager, my dad and I and our Boy Scout troop got to go and hike the Grand Canyon for eight days. And I remember waking up in the morning of the first day and put a tarp down. We put our sleeping bag in another tarp. It's like this people sandwich thing. Wake up, it's like 26 degrees at the, the rim there. And I was like, what in the world am I doing for the next eight days? This is dumb. Um, and we spent, but we had a guide. And the guide led us through the way for those eight days. And it's just storytelling and the experience, it was just so much better. I remember my favorite kind of guide. They're called caddies. If you're a golfer, you're going to love this. If you're not, hang in there. It'll be over soon. Um, But we got to go, my dad and I, to play pebble beach. And it was amazing. Some of God's best creation. I mean, you got some good creation here too, but uh, Pebble Beach was just amazing. And these caddies would guide us around the course and show us kind of where the putts would break and how to hit shots into the certain holes. And if you're not a golfer, you're bored, so I'll jump out of that story. If you're a golfer, I'd love to talk about it afterwards. Okay, this idea that guides can make a big difference. And God is a guiding kind of God if you'll let him. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we kind of navigate through some scriptures and, and this, lean into this idea of God is a guiding God. He is active, friends. He is dialed in and tuned into you. He's alert. He is near. God is a guiding God. We see this all the way back in scripture. You go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis and God calls to Abram. It's not even Abraham yet. And he calls to Abram and he says, Abram, I want you to go. And this is what it says. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household. Leave what you've known and go to the land I will show you. God is a guiding God. And he renames him Abraham and says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And my story of redemption is going to come through you. And he lays this out. Maybe you think back to the time of Israel leaving out of Egypt as God is releasing them. And, and the reality that he would go in, in a physical presence of kind of the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It was a spiritual picture of a, a present reality. That God is a guiding kind of God. You think of Proverbs. One of the most famous verses in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Psalm 23, maybe one of the most famous psalms. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. God is a guiding kind of God. He, he didn't just set everything up. He's not a creator that was like set it and forget it and walked away. He doesn't leave people unattended to or unaware of. and he, He's wanting to communicate with you and with me and with us as a whole. God is a guiding kind of God. And all the facets of the greatness of God, when you begin to ponder him, maybe this idea of guidance is, is a an interesting part that creates maybe even some dissonance within us because isn't it true that maybe sometimes you hear people talk about God guiding them and showing them things and people use this language of divine guidance easily and they say the Lord told me to do this or God spoke to me to go here and God put this burden on my heart or God showed me this and yet there's other folks who love Jesus and want to hear from him, and yet they don't seem to have those experiences or, or that sense or that knowing, and and so sometimes they're even left to wonder to themselves, am I doing this right? Are they doing it right? Am I missing something? Is there some kind of disconnect here? Am I off base? Are they making this up? And I don't know if you've ever felt in either one of those camps and maybe both end at certain different times. So I want to peek back into a story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So if you have your Bible you can go there. 1 Samuel chapter 3 is Samuel is a young boy, he's probably 10, 11, 12. His story God is going to go on and the rest of 1st and 2nd Samuel tell the story of his story with God and how God uses him to guide the people of Israel for I mean for decades. But in this first moment, we begin to see how God is connecting with Samuel for the very first time. Samuel is working in the tabernacle there with Eli, the priest, and he's serving underneath him and others, and they're kind of leading the people. But he's kind of an apprentice. He's an intern, if you will. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, here's what we see, the very first verse. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Isn't that interesting that that's recorded for us? That in that season of life... The word of the Lord was rare. Do you ever have those seasons in your life where you feel like, God, I'm I'm begging you. I want to hear from you. And yet, it just feels like it's rare. Is that a bad thing? I don't think it is. And I wonder sometimes if some of that rareness allows the pertinence and the beauty of when it does happen to be more potent. To be more available, the word of the Lord was rare, and then, then God calls to Samuel. Right? You know the story. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel gets up and he runs into Eli's quarters. He's like, "You called me, sir. What can I do?" And Eli's, "No, I, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. Like it's bedtime. Like we're trying to settle in here." Goes back and Samuel, Samuel, he gets up again. He runs into Eli and says, "You called. I'm here." And Eli says, "I'm not calling you a third time." It happens, and he runs in there, and that's when Eli begins to recognize, you know what, I'm not calling him, but maybe the Lord is trying to get his attention. So he says to him, very simply, Samuel, go back and lay down. If it happens again, I just want you to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Just attune your heart. I think God might be trying to get your attention. This is the beginning of the relationship with God and Samuel. God calls him and makes him the leader of the people for decades. He serves kings, moves kingdoms, and helps navigate reality. And here's what I want to point out. God was speaking to Samuel in this story. Samuel knew he was being addressed, but he did not know it was from God. He actually had to learn how to recognize that God was speaking to him. And the truth is, we must all learn how to recognize when God is speaking, that there is a truth, that it is possible for God to speak to someone, and for that person to know something's going on, but they can't really pinpoint or connect the dots yet, they don't quite know maybe it's even God speaking into their life, and we must all learn, whether you're new in faith, and and I just want to welcome you online or here, If, if you're new to faith, you're just investigating Jesus, man, I'm so proud of you for being here, that this is a great church to investigate who Jesus is, and to begin to listen to his call into your life. You will never regret that. So everyone's at a different place, different pace, and and we're just glad thrilled that you're here. If you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, this is not something we opt out of. This is something we're invited into continually. And maybe in this moment of history, more necessary than ever. This idea of how do we hear how do we communicate with God? How do we allow God to communicate with us? Communication is a pretty crazy thing, if you think about it. The reality that in humanity, we can actually communicate with one another. Uh, we do it in finite ways. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Dallas Willard talks about this. He wrote a book called Hearing God, Recommend it. But Dallas is a great theologian has passed on, but he defined communication as this. Communication is simply guiding someone else's thoughts, meaning you're beginning to speak in, in words, or in symbols written down that people read in words or symbols that you're beginning to guide someone else's thoughts. It's your thoughts. I'm simply trying to guide you to begin to think about what would it look like to hear from God? What would it look like to begin to attune into him? That's probably not what you woke up thinking about when you're eating your egos or Pop-Tarts at home. But I'm beginning to try to guide your thoughts that way. It's your thoughts. The Holy Spirit's working on your mind. And so when we communicate with someone, we do that in finite ways. We can only do that in humanity. You know, symbols, or or sounds that we're using. But God is infinite. He's big. Always remind myself, God's big, I'm little. And, And he's beyond me. And he doesn't have to just use sounds or symbols. He certainly does. And you've been a beneficiary of that, that you've heard someone speak or you've read something and it's just moved your heart. And you're like, I get it now, or I see it differently. God, that was for me. I needed that but there's ways that God can speak in an infinite way where he can just plant thoughts in your head, into your soul, and and guide you along. He's not limited like we are, but he wants to communicate. And so Eli began to say, Samuel, I think God's trying to speak in your life. Just tune into it. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. See, prayer is not just me talking to God. God talks back. God is a guiding kind of God. He didn't just set it and forget it and walk away. He is attuned and dialed into your life and to mine. And he longs to communicate and connect with us, to commune relationally. Remember what Jesus said? John chapter 10, he's describing the good shepherd himself. He says, when he, the good shepherd, has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his, what? Voice. They know his voice. That the shepherd is speaking. God is a guiding kind of God who longs to communicate. The question is, are we tuned in? I don't know if you remember being called up to the office when you were in uh, kindergarten or elementary school years. Remember you went up to the office for the hearing test? Anyone remember that? You had the big giant headphones that you put on, and it's like they were, you know, Simon Says game. They were trying to trick you. They're like, I'm going to put it in the left ear, the right ear, or both ears. We don't know. You have to guess. And so you're there as a kid, like, trying not to fail this test. You're just like, I didn't know we were having a test today. And so, like, you're trying to raise your hand with it. And you're like, what happens if I do fail? Do they kick me out? Listen, we're all in homeschool now. So this idea of just this reality of trying to tune into that. And what if, friends, what if God's whispering more than you realize? And what if it's kind of like that? Are you tuned in? Do you hear him? Now, I know this idea of hearing from God, it can create this dissonance. Some people feel like they get it right away, and other people feel like they struggle for it. And let's let's be honest, some people have said, I've heard from the Lord and done some really dangerous and evil and damaging things, haven't they? And so there's a tension here that we have to acknowledge, we can't ignore that. I love what comedian Lily Tomlin said, why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic? Ooh, well, there's a tension here, that how do we hear from God? How do we know it's really God? And how do we understand it? So learning to hear from God is an art for us to practice. It's an invitation, no matter where you are in your faith journey, to continually engage with God in that, that he is speaking and communicating. The prophet Isaiah writes these words in Isaiah 55. He says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering, making it bud and flourish, so the word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Friends, we want to be a people who learn to tune in and to hear from God. And you can do this. I can do it. It takes practice. Uh, But the reality, think about it this way. Um, How many of you were athletes growing up? You were somewhat of an athlete. Band, I'll even let band count. Uh, You were an athlete in some way. Raise your hand at home. We'll see you. Okay, I see that. Uh, So this idea of you're an athlete, and here's what I bet happened for you when you were in the arena or maybe out on the field. And the reality is there's so much commotion and so much noise happening. But I bet. I bet when your coach yelled, you could hear him or hear her. I bet when your mom or your dad yelled from the sidelines or yelled from the stands, you could hear them. We have an innate ability in our humanity, a gift from the Lord, of being able to tune out certain things and tune in other things. And we just do this innately. We we do it through practice. We get better at it. But audiologically, there's a short time delay between when sound waves hit your outer ear and when they reach your inner ear. You can look at the studies of this. And so many things we listen to that we really take hold of, listen, we actually listen to it twice. And what if God's whispers are more readily available and more readily going out than we even recognize? And maybe often in the noise of the world around us, We we hear it once, but it doesn't really sink in because we haven't listened twice to it. Remember, Jesus had this very popular phrase that he said often in his teachings, whoever has ears, let them hear. What does Jesus mean by that? He means listen twice. Don't let it just hit the outer ear. Let it hit the inner ear. Go in to your heart and to your soul. He said this six times in the Gospels, eight times in Revelation, that it was this exhortation to hear from God and to listen twice. Don't just hear information about God, but hear relationally from the one who has saved you and who is connected to you, who forever loves you. It was about tuning in and listening twice. God doesn't just lecture us as detached subjects. God is speaking to us as his beloved children. That we get to call to him, Abba, Father, Daddy. And so this call is going out. You see, it's one thing to have an unknown stranger stand up and speak some sounds. It's a totally different thing to have a good father lean in and whisper to their precious child, I have something for you to hear. I have some instruction, some challenge, some encouragement, whatever that may be. And in that moment, because of a secure, loving, deep relationship and the connection that they have, those whispers go deeper, and you actually get to hear them twice. That is what Jesus is kind of getting at. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Uh, Mark Batterson, a good author, wrote a book called Whispers, How to Hear the Voice of God. I, I recommend that one, too. He talks about seven different ways that, that God speaks predominantly that he speaks in a lot of ways obviously through his scriptures speaks through our desires in ways that are healthy desires through doors that he opens or closes through dreams people nature you're surrounded by incredible nature god speaks in these ways he speaks through the promptings of the holy spirit and through pain often some of god's deepest whispers will come in seasons of pain and you'll hear the intimacy with the father will grow and i just want to focus on two predominant ones Today, This idea of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit's promptings. Paul writes to to Timothy as he's raising him up to, to be a leader in the church. And he says, look, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Meaning, the point of the scriptures is to point you to the fact that you need a savior. They all point us that way. We need Jesus. We need that relational connection. The beauty of Christianity is it's not about traditions and it's not just about following a set of rules. It's about a relational connection with the creator of the heavens and the earth who didn't just set it and forget it. He's actually wanting to communicate and connect and to rescue and to redeem and to lead. God is a guiding kind of God. All scripture, he goes on, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. This idea of teaching, I'm going to train into you, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to rebuke and correct, I'm going to help you not deviate away from what's right and what's pure and what's right, and, and to lead you in the path that you need to go. This idea of training in righteousness, you know what that Greek word there is? is—is padia. It's a beautiful term. It's this concept of parenting, that the scriptures would parent in a way, they would help raise you up in the faith to not only know God better, but to do something with what you now know. They would parent you, to train you, equip you in a way that, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, not just informed to know something, but equipped to do something with what you now know. Dallas Willard talks about this idea that God's directive voice does not usually come to us out of the blue. It's centered, it's anchored. After 10 years of research, LifeWay Research said, hey, we want to study spiritual maturity. How do people grow and mature up in the faith? And they said the number one way is engagement with the scriptures. People who are in the word and allow the word to be in. They don't read to get through the word. They read in order to get the word through them. And there's a great difference. And so the invitation is to be people of the scriptures. I I wrote this for me. God speaks most clearly to those who are meditating on his word most consistently. That doesn't mean perfectly. It means consistently. This invitation to say God speaks most clearly to those who are meditating on his word most consistently. To hear from God, we've got to stay in proximity and persist in being with him. And one of those ways that he's preserved and protected is through his scriptures that aren't changing, that are here to say, here's, here's how to parent. I want, Padilla. I want to parent you up in a way that you might know God. See, friends, the predominant way God will nudge your heart is through his word, the scriptures, and through the word, the example in life of Jesus. And so it's the word going out, and it might guide us. A.W. Tozer writes this, The Bible is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. Hebrews chapter 4, this book is alive and active that there's, a, there's an activity going on here that wants to meet us. And so spend time in his scriptures if you want to hear from him. Learn to tune in and to lean in. Maybe tune down some of the noise and tune into the voice that is speaking in these scriptures. God will not contradict his scriptures. See, that's where people say, well, I heard from God. And, and they say some things and do some really damaging things. And you go, no, that's not in here. So God doesn't contradict himself. He will speak, he has spoken, he's preserved, he's protected, that we might know him, we might be able to help make him known. Dallas Willard said this, It cannot be stressed too much that the permanent address at which the word of God may be found is the Bible. More of God speaking to me has come in conjunction with the study, the reading, the teaching of the scriptures than anything else. Maybe that's why Mark had it listed as number one. There's something about these scriptures that God speaks. But God also speaks in other ways. He's infinite. He's beyond you, beyond me. He's big, I'm little. And so he speaks in ways, uh, maybe the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Ways that he will prompt you deep within, as my mentor told me, you'll kind of know deep within your knower that there's just something that will catch you. And meet you, and he will stir you up in this way. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Meaning, listen deeper than just an initial hearing. But listen twice. Here's how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, John 14, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said. See, often the Spirit will speak reminders from Jesus, his life, his teachings often he'll speak kind of, this is the way you need to go. And you know what? If you go over here, you can do that. It's your choice, but I don't know if that's best for you. And so there'll be this nudge that kind of says, let's try this way maybe. And you've all experienced that. There might be ways that the Holy Spirit will prompt you. N.T. Wright talks about us as followers of Jesus being active agents for God. This world needs more of Jesus' active agents for him in this world. And what if God would prompt you, the Holy Spirit would prompt you to say, hey, look, I know you're going throughout your day, but see this person I just brought across your path. I want want to use you, I want to partner with you to help minister some of my love here. So let's go do this. And here's what I found. I bet you've experienced that in some way, shape, or form. That God's just kind of dropped someone in your path and he's kind of nudged you to say, "Let's, let's go partner here. And you have a choice in that moment. I have a choice in that moment. And there's times where I go, okay, let's go do that. I don't know what I'm doing, but sure. And we go, and listen, I'm the one who gets blessed as I engage with God, serving and loving and just exercising his compassion and love and his story to the world around us. And there's other times in honesty where I try to remind God of how busy I am. And I don't have the emotional capacity right now to go do this, and I know you want me to partner with you, but I'm just tired. And I think I'm going to sit this one out, God. Listen, God is a guiding kind of God. And he is sovereign. And he will meet the needs of that person. He's just longing to do it with you. And when we sit it out, we're the ones who miss the blessing. And so this call continually is God saying, I want to use you. I want to learn and lean into this obeying of the promptings of the Spirit. And I don't know what that's going to be for you. It'll be different. But God will prompt you. And the challenge for us as followers of Jesus, this is if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, just keep investigating. Keep looking at him. But for those of us who are walking with him, this is about being tapped on the shoulder, moved, kind of nudged deep within your knower. Hey, I want to partner you here. Uh, Henry Nowen, uh, famous author, teacher, he was a Catholic priest who taught at Harvard and Yale and toured the tail end of his life, he felt called by God to go to this community of of physically, emotionally uh, challenged adults. And so he spent the last 10, 12 years of his life living in this community, just kind of serving and helping. He wrote a lot from there. It was a lot of healing time for him and a lot of helpful time in his writings that he speaks about this experience of these people who have some emotional, mental, physical challenges to overcome and living in this kind of community. And he felt guided by God to go there. And one time, there's a friend of his named Trevor who uh, was a man with severe mental and emotional challenges. And he was sent to a psychiatric ward for evaluation and kind of monitoring. And it had been a few weeks. And Henry was like, well, I really feel like I need to go see Trevor. And so he calls up the facility and says, I'd like to come have lunch with Trevor. And can we arrange that? And, and, And can we go? And soon after, the director of that facility called back and said, Henry, if you're coming, gosh. You're like, world now. could you just pour into our people? We're going to have doctors and nurses and clergymen there and just professionals. And Would you just invest in us? Can we throw a luncheon in your honor? And would you just kind of pour into us some? He's like, oh, i would be delighted to do that. So he shows up at the facility and he meets the director and kind of being led around. And he looks around after a few minutes and he asks the director, hey, where's Trevor? I, I thought I was having lunch with Trevor. And the director says, oh, Mr. Nowen, uh, I'm so sorry. We, we don't let clients in the gold room. It's the gold room, after all. We don't let clients or patients in here. I'm so sorry. Maybe we could have this luncheon, and you could pour it into us, and then we'll try to arrange a time for you to go see Trevor afterwards in, in his room. And in that moment, Henry writes that he just felt this sense deep within him. Include Trevor. And Henry's not a confrontational kind of guy. And so he thinks about, he has this choice in this moment. And here's the reality for you, for me. It's going to be into these moments of life where the Spirit whispers. And we have a choice. Do I push back? Do do I lean into this? Do I invest the emotional energy it's going to take to do this? Or do I just kind of go with the flow and, well, you know, let God figure out something else? And into that moment god was saying include trevor and so henry says to the director listen i really came here to have lunch with trevor and and i guess if trevor can't be a part of this luncheon then maybe i don't need to be a part of this luncheon either shockingly 10 minutes later trevor was the first client in the gold room the first patient there, they're seated around tables, and you know how it is when someone famous is around and people are kind of jostling, positioning themselves to get close, and a lot of people talking to Henry. And In the middle of all the commotion, Trevor picks up his glass. A toast! I want to make a toast! And you can kind of imagine this room full of professionals we're here to hear henry and suddenly a very challenged individual is capturing and centering attention around himself and he says a toast i want to make a toast and he begins if you're happy and you know it raise your glass if you're happy and you know it raise your glass if you're happy and you know it then your face is sure to show it if you're happy and you know it raise your glass If you're happy, and you know it. And so like you can imagine the awkwardness in the room, much like right now, maybe in your living room. What's that guy doing? Why is he singing? It's not all that bad. Okay, but just, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And Trevor goes on, and listen, this is what begins to happen. These professional clergymen, doctors, and nurses begin to shout with Trevor if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And Trevor's just beaming that he's there and he settles everyone down after a moment and says, to my friend Henry, who sought me out. Cheers. And the luncheon continues. And Henry speaks, and it's powerful. The people disperse. And he writes later, that the conversations that followed, even years later, were back to that luncheon. And it didn't have anything to do with what Henry shared. It had to do with everything in the moment when the least likely in the room got used to bless and to speak. And they recounted to Henry, I'll never forget Trevor's toast. That was awesome and it warmed me, and it showed me God can use anybody. Friends, God still speaks. The Spirit still guides. His promptings still unfold. The Scriptures still capture and convey His heart to all who have ears to hear. If you're a follower of Jesus, what is the Spirit whispering to you? He longs for you to be on adventure with him. He will prompt you. Will you hear him? Will you tune in? His whispers may be more often than you realize. Have you tuned down some of the noise in order to tune into the voice that's whispering to you? Will you step forward and respond into those moments? Everybody at that luncheon would have missed it if Henry hadn't said, Man, include, I just gotta include, I gotta try. I, I just gotta step forward and try. What's the worst that can happen? They say no and I leave? Am I willing to do that? Yeah, God, I am. God still speaks. You have the gift of the word of God. It's been preserved and protected. Scriptures resound with the sound of God's voice that we might know him that we might help make him known. We may hear him. Stay engaged in the scriptures. Find your pattern, your path for how to do that, how to tether yourself to it. God speaks most clearly to those who are meditating on his word most consistently. He just does. And listen for the promptings. Deep within your knower, God, you want me to partner with you here? Man, I'm nervous, but I guess here we go. Show me and you'll be the one who's blessed. If you want to get better at hearing uh, tuning yourself to the promptings of the Spirit, I would encourage you to practice solitude. It is a lost art in our cultural context. And yet God seems to whisper. That's what Elijah discovered. It was the whisper of God. It wasn't the tornado. It wasn't the earthquake. It was the still, small whisper. Maybe it's just practicing what Samuel learned early on attuning yourself and saying, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So, Father, that's what we pray. As followers of Jesus in this context, in this beautiful church, in this incredible community, God, we want to get better at hearing from you. We don't know all how to do that, We don't claim to be experts in anything. We're just fellow journeymen and learners. But would you help us get better? Tethering ourselves to your scriptures, would you speak often? Would we not hustle to get through the scripture, but to to linger to let the scripture get through us? That we might hear your voice. That as you prompt us, Holy Spirit, that we would have the boldness and the courage to step forward and join you where you're working. Your kingdom moves forward with or without us. We just want to be with you. We know you long for us to be with you. So God, in this next song, as we create space in a moment just to linger here to worship you, to turn our heart's attention in your direction, Spirit, would you speak to us? For some of us, you're going to prompt us for something that's been a dream deep within our heart that we've never put action to but you've been prompting, calling, let's do this. For some of you, that's you. For some of you, it may be that God's been calling out your name. You know someone's been trying to get your attention. You had no idea that it was God. But what if he said yes? What if he turned in his direction as he's already turned in yours? God, for each of us, this week even, is an adventure that awaits us. We want to cultivate and curate as your followers, ears to hear.